Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So if you would, go ahead and take out your Bibles. As you know, we're in a study of Proverbs, but this morning we're going to be reading in the book of Psalms, Psalm 90. So if you'd make your way to Psalm 90, I'll be reading the first 12 verses of that psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Teach us to number our days. Think of that as David wrote that psalm, or actually Moses wrote that. Verse 10 starts off with a a soap opera. This is the days of our or days of our lives. I'm glad that the days of our lives isn't like a soap opera. But apart from God, it is. Think about that. There's a reason why we read Psalm 90 as we we go into today's um, study of Proverbs. Over the last couple months, we've looked at the introduction to Proverbs, and we looked at um, the pursuit of Proverbs over the last couple weeks and the path of Proverbs as well. Today we're beginning um, a discussion and a look at pearls from the book of Proverbs. And to begin with, I want to consider some statistics here. Over the past three years, approximately 3.5 to 3.6 trillion, trillion dollars have been spent annually on U.S. health care. That works out to about $10,739 per person per year. So you think just this little bitty little group here. That's every single individual, individual one of us. Now, I'm not saying you spent that much money, but if you take that and you put that out there across the United States, $3.6 trillion a year. Now, if you remember way back when we began this study, the introduction of Proverbs, I um, 
shared the statistic about $11.6 billion annually that is spent, now that's worldwide, on self-improvement, on the self-improvement industry. If you put those two things together, mankind significantly cares about the quantity of life and the quality of life. Apart from Christ, what is the hope of an individual? Say again, John. There is. What is their hope? I mean, it's, it's yes, someone said it. it, it so, good. It's in this life, and then ex- by extension, some medical cure will keep you alive. Because their hope is very limited. Our hope, if you would, is what? Unlimited, eternal in nature. We understand that death is not the end, but only a portal to the extension of life, to really the fullness of life. But apart from Christ, death is what? It's the end. And so throughout history, we continually hear about people who are searching for the fountain of youth, or if you would, the fountain of eternal life. They They need to know that they can extend their life here on earth. But God's word tells us that the days of our lives are what? Are numbered. They are 70 years. And if by strength, we may get what? 80. So as we go into today's on life and health, I want to be able to, to, to share some concepts here that I think are very important for us as we move into this. And folks, First is the length of life and steadfast happiness is fleeting. It cannot be bought or purchased. That's a biblical truth. Psalm 90, we just saw, the days of our lives are 70 years. If by reason of strength, they are 80. So teach us to number our days and to have a heart of wisdom. In Psalm 39, we read, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths. Anybody know what a hand breath is? What, what is it used for? Measure. Generally, what do we use it to measure? Horses. Yeah, I heard someone say horses. How many hands? Okay. Okay. And so, so yeah. So, my day is made like what? Just hand breaths. In my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state, at his best state, is but a what? A vapor. Sila. Do you know what Sila means? Think on this. <laughs> meditate on it. This is a good truth to meditate on, isn't it? At your best state, you're not even solid or liquid. You're just gas. You're just vapor. Plasma. Well, I don't think they understood plasma yet at that point. Okay, But think about it. At your best state, you're just a vapor. Surely every man walks about like a what? A shadow. There's no substance or reality. Do you get it? I mean, I talk about this a lot, but you, this, this isn't real. Sounds real. Feels real. But you know what? In the end, this isn't real. What's real is God. Before Genesis 1-1, there wasn't anything. 
Well, that's not really true. There was. God. That's exactly right. There was no earth and heaven. There was no time. God created all that. He spoke it into being. He said, let it be. And it was. You only are because God is. It's amazing things to me. I mean, this is, from the math side, my mind just, it, even this week, I mean, my brain spins. Anytime I start thinking about eternity, I was like, I can't deal with it. Because I just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. I know it's real. I believe it's real. But I can't comprehend it. And I can't measure it. And I can't put it in my box. Make sense? It's out of my parameters. It's out of my control. I mean, let's be honest. It's out of my control. Make, make sense? Okay? And anything that's outside of my control makes me, makes me wibby-wobble, you know? I know, that's a new word. You can put it, wibby-wobble. That's what I said, wibby-wobble. Put it in the dictionary. Say, you guys put it in the print, you start talking about it, and it'll finally make it in the dictionary, okay? It'll be attributed to here, wibby-wobble. So, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Psalm 139. You guys know this psalm very well. Beginning verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were, they all were written. Note the what? Past tense. In your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were what? None of them. So... This leads us into another thought process. Again, this is going into life and health, okay? Because there's a whole lot of money spent on life and health. There's a whole lot of thought spent on life and health. How can I increase my lifespan? How can I increase the the quality of my life, right? But yet I read in God's Word, what? My days are what? My days are limited, but my days are what? They're not just numbered, they're what? They're already known. They're already written in the book. Past tense. Tomorrow has already happened. I just haven't experienced it. I'm already dead. I just don't know when. Do you get it? I've already gone through the portal of life. Romans 8 says, Whom God knew, He also did call. Whom He called, He also did predestine, right? To be conformed to the image of His family. In whom He did predestine, he also, he also called. Whom He called, He also justified. Whom He justified, He also glorified past tense do you get it i'm already justified i'm already glorified i've already gone through the portal of death i just haven't experienced it yet in god's economy does it i hope that bursts the brain cell people i don't get it i mean i you know i know if you've been here long enough you know i i read books on quantum physics and that kind of stuff that kind of stuff it's fun okay and so but before Genesis 1 1, there was no concept of time. There was God. Do you get it? When I step out of this world, out of my shadow, and, and I am before God, I don't think God's confined by time. There's a part of me that thinks I'm going to get there at the same time David will. And yet I understand that David's already been there thousands of years. I hope that bursts another brain cell. 
Okay. I don't get it. I am so finite and limited in, in the scope that I'm in. However, I need to be able to deal with life from what? From the perspective that I'm living in. Does that make sense? And yet I need to understand the eternality of, of, of God and in, in the plan and the purpose that he has for me. So how does this come together? Because reality is what I just shared with you, I could live a very fatalistic life. Because it doesn't matter what I do. Why am I even preaching? Why am I even teaching? Why do you even talk to people? If I mean, I'm not a Calvinist by any stretch of imagination, but we're going to talk a little bit about this concept right here, right? Real quick before we move on to this life and health thing. Okay, So I'm not a Calvinist, but if I was a Calvinist and I knew that everybody was elect, why even witness to them? Because, I mean, I've heard people say, well, if they're elect, they're going to be what? They're going to be elect. You know, da-da-da-da-da. And so Charles Haddon Spurgeon said years ago, he says, I don't know about election and how all that plays out, but God, if they're elected, elect some more and elect some more and elect some more and elect some more and elect some more. You get it? Okay? So, so how this plays out, I don't know, but God has given us concepts for us to grapple with. And it's okay to grapple with them. So, within the plan and design of God for each individual life is the balance of predestination and foreknowledge. Those are theological terms. However, it means that which he ordained and that which he allowed. These two things okay, form this great mystery about how those two determiners of God's will play out in the writing of his book in the plan of history. So, we have the ordained will of God and we have the permissive will of God. Theologians love to debate those things. I don't care about them. I do care. But I... But, but I'm not going to stand here and tell you I have the, I, I have it all down pat, and here's how it all plays out. Okay. What I can tell you is that that God is out here, and we're gonna we're gonna test see, by faith. I stood on this piano bench. Okay, that's what faith is all about. I didn't go down and make sure that it was really going to hold me. So if I crash, then we'll show his improper faith. Okay. So I hope people on Zoom can see my head. Anyways, so nope. <laughs> Okay, anyways, so the reality is God's kind of like this. He's outside the whole realm of time. Do you get it? And he speaks it into being. And you can see a whole lot more from the mountaintop than you can down in the valley, can't you? But we're living where? Sort of in the valley. Makes sense? And we're seeing moment by moment. But God is way out there, way beyond the mountaintops. And it's all there. Now, what stuff, this is the great debate. I'm not going to give you an answer for it. I just want you to burn some brain cells on it, okay? I'm just being honest, okay? Because I don't think we contemplate God enough, and we need to, okay? What things did God declare would be? What are the things in the path of history that have to occur the way he stated? But what things then did he, in his foreknowledge, allow to be, and then were written in the book? I can't answer that question. I know he created man in his own image and likeness, and that is with a free will. That you and I have the ability to make free will decisions, but God is still ultimately sovereign, and he overrides any of my free will decisions at his choosing. Does that make sense? So God is a king on the earth. He's not, but let's say for a moment. And he's decided that tonight everybody's going to have spaghetti. But you rise up and you say, I want to have spam. And lupids. And so, anyways... And so I'm going to have spam instead. But God knows what? 
He's not like a mortal king, and he doesn't know what's going on in your house. God knows everything, and he knows every heart and every thought that's out there, right? And so from, from in his, on his throne, he hears you say to yourself, what? You can't make me eat spaghetti. I'm going to have spam. So instantly, something happens, because God has determined, preordained, that everybody's going to have spaghetti tonight, for whatever reason he wants to. And I don't know how he does it, but he either changes your heart, or he changes the circumstances, and you go to your closet, and all of a sudden there ain't nothing in your closet except for spam. And no, spaghetti. Spaghetti, spaghetti, yeah, spaghetti. In fact, there are 20,000 boxes of Mueller spaghetti noodles there, okay? And you got ragu and prego and... All, he may give you the option, a free will decision of what kind of spaghetti sauce you're going to use. But you're going to have spaghetti. Do you get it? How that stuff plays together, I don't know. But I know from God's word that it's true. And that the decisions I make do affect history in some manner. Whether, I mean, and you guys have experienced this. You've said, I'm going to do such and such, right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? Something changes. And you realize that the book, you should have listened to the book of James when it said, don't say, I'm going to do such and such, but rather I should have said what? Lord willing, we're going to do such and such. That's exactly right, okay? Because God ultimately reserves the right. And so those decisions I make then affect history in some manner as it plays out in the tapestry of my life and those with whom my life intertwines. So here's the deal. I don't know the number of the days of my life. And I don't know how the decisions I am making through the day today have made in my past and will make in the days ahead will affect the longevity of my life. But God has given us wisdom in his word, and we're going to be looking at these things, of truth that does affect according to his wisdom, according to his plan, the longevity of my life. And decisions that I can make, guidance that I can follow, that will affect the quality of my life. God still reserves the right to what? Overrule all that. And it may be his plan and his sovereignty for something else to happen in my life physically whereby he will receive the greater glory we're selfish we think it has to be for something for us it may be nothing on my behalf probably is because again as jimmy said earlier in his testimony he's learning and that that god is is abba right is his loving father and that the decisions that he's making are passing through that sieve of love and that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Make sense? So as we look at this today, this quantity of life and the quality of life, that's health, we're going to just read scripture today. I mean, if you've got the sermon note sheet, you can see how many verses are on that sermon note sheet. Simply, we're going to read. Slight commentary? Maybe. Primarily, read. So, Steve, you're going to be my Vanna White, okay? And so what we're going to do, he's a lovely Vanna. Um, he's wearing white, too. It, I, and I didn't even tell him. It says it's a God thing, okay? So, it's preordained. I love it. Yes, so what we're going to do, Steve, 
is we're going to hand out verses as we go, okay? And you get to do what I get to do for you. You get to pass out the, the, um, the mic. Yeah, that too. All right, so following the wisdom, following the wisdom of God will affect the quantity of life, evidence in your attitude toward faith. So we're going to pass out the verses here. So who wants to take Proverbs 3.16? Okay, everybody's going to get a chance. Karen, who's going to take Proverbs 9, 10 to 11? All right, Gerard. Then David, I saw your hand go up, Proverbs 10, 27. And then Chuck, I saw your hand go up, Proverbs 14, 27. Who's going to take Proverbs 19, 23? All right, Caleb, who's going to take Proverbs 22, verse 4? All right, uh, Micah, I was going to say Elijah. Elisha, no. Elijah, yeah, okay, okay, so Micah's first. All right, so, all right, so let's start with Proverbs three sixteen. Karen? Days is in her right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor. Who's her? Wisdom, good, okay, got to go in context, okay? So length of days is in wisdom's right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor, Proverbs 9, verse 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. Okay, Proverbs ten twenty seven. That was David, yep. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Okay, Proverbs fourteen twenty seven. Chuck. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Okay, nineteen twenty three. It's a good year, Caleb. He did. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Okay, and finally, Proverbs 22.4. Micah. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Okay, so what did all of those except for one have in common? The fear of the Lord. But we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, and that was the final one, that wisdom will bring you that. So if you follow the teachings of wisdom and you walk in the fear of Yahweh, then you will what? You will live longer, okay? That you will have longer life. Life will be added to you. Uh, your days will be prolonged. You will have a fountain of life. Do you get it? All these things. But note Proverbs 10, 27. It says, the fear of Yahweh prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So there's the opposite side of that as well, the reciprocal side of that. That if you walk in the fear of Yahweh, right, that typically speaking, unless God overrules for his purposes, your days will be what? Prolonged. Now, I mean, if you were in the days of the early church and you were being offered as fodder to the, the lions you'd be kind of struggling with that, wouldn't you? But God had a what? Had a plan and a higher purpose. Do you realize that the church grows stronger and faster in the days of persecution? Days of persecution means that the, the, the years and days of believers usually is what? Shortened, not prolonged. Okay? And so if God chooses not to prolong your days, you're walking in his fear. There's a big if there, right? We like to say what? Well, I am. I'm am. That's me. But there's a big if there. Are you or aren't you? 
But if you're walking in the fear of Yahweh, then God has given us a promise overwhelmingly over and over again that he will prolong our days. If he doesn't, like Jimmy's testimony, right? He's got another plan. He's got another purpose. He's teaching you something, or maybe he's teaching others through you. Does that make sense? Through the situation, okay? So, first of all, evidence in your attitude toward Yahweh. Secondly, evidence in your attitude toward righteousness. Who wants to take Proverbs eleven nineteen? okay? We'll go to Elijah first, and then Brian will take Proverbs twelve twenty eight. And I heard Saul hands go up here. We'll get you in a moment. Okay, so Proverbs eleven nineteen, Elijah. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Okay, Proverbs twelve twenty eight. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Okay. So, Proverbs eleven nineteen in New King James, it says, As righteousness leads to life, and yours, Elijah, said, Steadfastness in righteousness, what? Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. And so the idea is that if you're walking in righteousness, then your life will be extended. So, again, we've talked about this in the past, but what is righteousness? Doing what is right in God's eyes. Not me saying, I know that I'm what? Right. It's knowing that God knows that I'm what? Right. Exactly right. Every man, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are what? The ways of death. Make sense? And so I've got to be careful that I'm not walking in my own righteousness, my own morality, but really, truly, honestly, that I'm walking in the righteousness of Christ. Now, I understand that's been imputed to me, but that doesn't mean that everything I do then is righteous. I had a woman many years ago, when I was in the military, who was under my, I was the boss, if you would, whatever, and, um, and she was an apostle. That's what she claimed, that she was an apostle. And she never sinned. Now, I can give you illustrations. Yeah, don't laugh. I mean, there's theologies out there that's true, okay? And she never sinned. Now, that's a total misunderstanding of the righteousness of Christ being imputed to you. And I can tell you times that she did. Okay? I mean, I have EEO suits against me to prove it. And so the, the point is that we can think to ourselves, because as believers, that we never sin or we're afraid to admit that we sin. Does that make sense? Well, what we're saying is that our righteousness then is the ultimate righteousness. But we know that in God's word that my righteousness is like what? Filthy rag. Okay? So I need to desire, I need to hunger after righteousness. Isn't that what Jesus said? Blessed are those who what? Hunger after righteousness. Okay? That should be my heart, my desire. is not hungering after my own righteousness, but hungering after his. And so Matthew 6, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay? All right? Is right. Well, I, I think I could go biblically, and I'm not going to go there, but I can show you biblically that she really did. Um, but, yeah, but from her perspective, 100%. So if you don't read the Bible and you don't study the Bible, do you, you follow what I'm saying? So if you're not reading these things, it's very easy for someone to tell you what? That the things you're doing are okay. But do you believe in, in uh, a human pastor or theologian, bishop, or do you believe God's word? 
I know you do. I mean, I get that. But that's really the ultimate thing, is I'm going to believe God's word. When God's word tells me I'm sinning, then I'm what? I'm sinning. Okay? Good. So evidence, thirdly, in your attitude toward correction. Okay? This is our word musar, which is translated many times in the English as instruction. So our first one is Matthew, or Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 13. So I saw all hands on this side. Anybody on this side want to take it? Ace. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 10, verse 17. Who wants to take that one? Jonah. Proverbs 6, verse 23 and 24. Andrew. All right? So, Ace. Oh, I love it. Three. Are you, are you 20s yet, Jonah? Oh, almost had three teenagers. All right. All right, Ace. Proverbs 4. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Okay. Proverbs ten seventeen. Jonah. Over this way, Steve. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Okay. Andrew. For the command is a lamp, and the law is a light. Reproofs of the instruction are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of seductress. Okay, so, again, coming through it, we see then, Musar, instruction, correction, okay, that if you follow these things, if you follow correction, if you receive correction, if you don't refuse correction, then it's going to lead you in the way of life, okay? So, so here's the deal, okay? I, John, I liked your illustration um, about discussing about God's will in our life. It's the, the, the idea of when the police officer pulls us over and we tell him, thank you for your service, do we really mean it? And when, when, Thank you for looking out for me. Yeah, do we, really, do we really mean it? And so do I really think that toward God when God puts on the blue lights, if you would, and pulls me over? <clears throat> Make sense? Okay. Not, not a whole lot. Because normally God doesn't do that in this of itself. I mean, he does it sometimes just straight out. I mean, I remember in seminary when I was coming down the steps, and some of you heard the illustration, and singing it as well with my soul, and I missed the last step because I was coming down two at a time, and I wound up breaking my foot. What did I say? Three, three at a time. You weren't there. Anyways, anyways I've already confessed. Anyway, Yeah, it might have been two. It might have been two. I was just bopping down. I mean, you got that's my Croatian side comes out in my free time, okay? I mean, I'm just, and so, you know, the... the the Tavia, you know, if I was out of Shaman. Anyways, so I was coming down it as well with my soul, and God said, is it really? And so, anyways, I missed that final step and broke my foot, and I was laid up for a period of time. But that was good. I understand Psalm 23. He made me to lie down in green pastures. I needed it at that moment. Make sense? And he did it. But at that moment, I'm still trying to figure out what? Oops. Is it really well with my soul? That's exactly right. But that's exactly what came to my mind immediately when it happened. Really? It was just a one-word statement. Really? <laughs> and you've got to ask yourself, how do you deal with correction? Do you like it when God rebukes you? Because normally the rebuke comes from where? How does it usually come to you? people other people and when somebody else is used as the instrument of God in your life I'm sure you're like I am and you're just like 
Thank you, Father, for this beautiful moment of humility and humbleness. No, usually, if you need that, you're probably standing in your flesh. And it's not a pleasant moment, is it? But God says that if we would have proper attitude toward instruction and correction, rebuking and reproof in our life, that we would actually add years to our life. Generally speaking, I'm going to pick on teenagers, okay? Right? Because it's... I can pick on those and try to alleviate my own sense of personal responsibility. Anyways, son, and I'm not picking on Andrew. I've had, he's the fourth of my son, so I can pick on all my sons at one time, right? Don't drive so fast. <laughs> no, it's really never happened. But let's say it did, right? Is that a true illustration? It is, yeah? Son, hit the brake. <laughs> Too late. Okay? Because you would not listen to instruction something evil then came in your path that's just one little illustration I hated listening to my wife give me wisdom on vitamins early in our in our marriage it had to take years later for me to finally figure out that you know what she was no worse than that she was right and I was, it's hard to say she was right and I was wrong, you know? I mean, I was right, she was wrong, that's easy. Anyways, so, but you get it? But that's wisdom that's coming from instruction. Instruction usually means that it's helping me to change the way I think about something. Because I needed to be what? Corrected, taught, instructed on it, okay? Evidenced. Finally, in my attitude toward obedience, Proverbs 7, uh, verse 21 to 27. Who wants to take that? Okay, Zoe. Okay, Proverbs 13, verse 3. Who wants to take that? John. Okay, John, while you're there, why don't you take verse 14? Okay, Proverbs 15, verse 24. All right, in the back, Gail, then Marcia. You got Proverbs 19, 16. We got one more in that grouping, Proverbs 21, verse 16. In the back, 13, verse 3. Then verse 14. 14. Since you're in chapter 13. Makes sense. Makes sense? All right. Zoe, Proverbs 7, verses 21 to 27. You get the, you get the jackpot. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her, as an ox goes to slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Okay, so real quick on on Zoe's, okay? This is talking about not going to the house of the what? The adulterous woman, right? Okay, why? Because her paths lead down... John's going to be next, Steve. Her paths are leading down to hell. And so in Proverbs 6, 23 to 24, we just heard the correction. We heard the instruction to avoid her paths, right? And so this individual did what? Rejected the instruction, okay? And what happened? Well, they were then like an ox going to the slaughter. They were like a fool going to the correction stocks. He did not know it would cost his life. And to me, the, 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 the verse that means the most there is the end of verse 26, and it says, All who were slain by her were strong 
at some mighty, strong, great and mighty men. They were strong men. Everyone thought, what? Oh, I can handle this. Everybody else, they're weak. But I can handle this one. But in the end, what do they find out? Their disobedience led to death, led to destruction. Okay, Proverbs 13, verse 3. The law of wisdom is the fountain of life. 13, verse 3. Oh, to turn one way. Yeah. Okay. Proverbs 13. Verse 3. He regards his mouth. Oh, I'm 14. Thank you. Yeah, no, sorry. Yes. It's a good verse. Proverbs 13, verse. Okay. All right. I'm so confused. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Okay. So if you guard your mouth, it's going to preserve your life, right? You open it up and share, and you can't keep your mouth shut, what's going to happen? Destruction. My dad used to tell me, boy, one day you're going to eat a knuckle sandwich. It may not come from me, but you're going to learn that you don't like knuckle sandwiches. Make sense? Because you opened what? Wide your mouth. Now, my dad wasn't necessarily reading Proverbs to me, but it was one and the same. Okay, 13. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Okay, so the law of the wise. Okay, so walking in obedience toward what we hear. Proverbs 15, verse 24. Is that that you, Gil? Okay. The... Yes, the path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from Sheol below. Okay, the way of the life winds upward for the wise, those who are following instruction. Steve, so that you don't have to walk back and forth, why don't you go with Proverbs 21, 16 first with um, Karina. Then your next one will be Martha in front. Okay. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Okay, again, a negative side of it. A man who wanders from the way of understanding, you said, what, what did you say? The way of, you didn't say understanding. No, no, it leads to death. So, good sense. Understanding or good sense. Prudence is the idea of that, okay? One who wanders from that will rest in the assembly of the dead, okay? Proverbs 19, verse 16. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. But he who is careless of his ways will die. Hmm. Careless of his ways. Don't we act that way a lot? It just doesn't matter. Ah, whatever. You know? It'll be fine. Or when we drive, you know, texting and driving, you know, drinking and driving. Now, when I say drink and drive, you think don't drink and drive. You think what? Alcohol. I'm talking about slushies. Okay? Especially when that slushy's getting way down and you got to do what? And you're doing this, and where's that cup at? In front of your face. You know, you think about it. The, the, the dumb things that we do sometimes that are what? Careless. Okay? And we just think, oh, nothing will happen. Well, what happens if your tire blows while you're doing this and you're driving with your knee? Now, I know you've never driven with your knee. Anyways, that's one of the things you got to teach your teenagers, how to drive. You know, you can turn. And you, anyways, no, it's for real. But we do careless things because we think what we are invincible smarter exactly right okay so the quantity of life god's word i mean we just we're just touching the edges of it 
There is so much in God's Word to talk about how obedience to God's truth, following after wisdom, the fear of the Lord, adds days to our lives. How that plays out, I don't know. But God and His sovereignty does. Secondly, the quality of life. It will promote peace and health. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. I meant to start with reading Proverbs 3. Because actually our, our first couple um, pearls are going to come from Proverbs 3. I want to read the first um, couple verses here from Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life, in peace they will add to you. Let not chesed nemet, mercy and truth, forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find chin, favor, and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So note both in verse 2 and in verse 8 how it talks about then peace and health. How that following after wisdom and following after the, the commands and the truth of God's word will add peace and health to you. So we want to look at that. First of all, it will add them towards you. So Proverbs 3, um, 17 to 26. Who wants to take that? David. Okay. Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 22. Okay. Caleb? Well, I'll tell you what. We'll go with Gail since it's right there. Then, Caleb, you take Proverbs 14, verse 30. Okay? Proverbs 16, verse 7. Who's going to take it? Brian. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Got to keep going. Jonah. Okay? And then so let's stick up front. Proverbs 22, verse 8. That's Marcia. Okay? While we're doing it, let's go way ahead for the next ones. Proverbs 10. I got two verses there. Who's going to take Proverbs 10? Chuck, verse 11 and verse 16. You'll see them come up. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Who's going to take that? Care, right next to him. Okay. Um, Proverbs 12. I got two verses. Somebody's going to volunteer. All right, Elijah. So we got verse 18 and verse 25. Then we got two things coming up. Proverbs 15, verse 4. Remind me. There you go. Um, and then Proverbs 16, two verses. Last one. You'll be the you'll be the anchor. Come on. Who's going to do it? Thank you, Micah. No. Yes, Micah. Proverbs 16, verse 22 and 24. You'll see it come up. All right. So, first of all, peace and health toward you. Proverbs 3, verse 17 to 26. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up, and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not depart from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So note that it says that those who retain her are happy. They're not um, 
afraid. They're walking in security. Their sleep will be sweet. They're not going to be afraid and anxious. Those are all good health things. Psalm 119, verse 165, we're memorizing that part, says, Great peace have those who love your law and what? Nothing causes them to stumble. Okay? Proverbs 4, verse 20 22. Or 22, 22. Yes. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Health. Health. Holistic. Holistic teaching isn't wrong. God has created us in a whole person. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into, because there are people who go to the extent, side extent with that. But the reality is God did design our body to, to heal itself and to work within itself. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when we do things, when we bring things into our paths that bring anxiety or whatever, that causes anxiety. That's a what psychological problem, right? That's a social issue. But we, it's manifested how? Physically, okay? Many times with ulcers, heart attacks, um, a lot of different things. Do you get it? Okay? And so if we're not following after the ways and plans of God, then all these things happen. So God's promised health, okay? Um, Proverbs 14, verse 30. Caleb, sorry. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy envy is rottenness to the bones. Mm. A sound heart is life to the body. Envy is rottenness. Okay, Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Mm. When a man's ways please Yahweh, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Isn't that something to think about? Okay, Proverbs 21, verse 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Hmm. Another guarding the mouth. I, it's one of those things I learned too late in life. Proverbs 22, verse 8. Marcia. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his fury will perish. That's really interesting. Yours says vanity. Um, uh, New King James says sorrow. What does the ESV say? Do you have the ESV open to that? Proverbs 22.8. Uh, no, I was looking at Mark. If anybody else has the ESV and you're looking at it. Say it again. Calamity. Okay. And so the idea of that is, yeah, is something that is really negative. Um, and so if you sow iniquity or um, injustice, you're going to reap the wrong side. Okay. Good. Okay. So it promotes peace and health through you, towards you, but also then through you. Okay, so Proverbs 10, 11. Okay, Chuck? And you have verse 16 as well, don't you, Chuck? Okay. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And 16. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. Okay, Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Okay, Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but, this, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. 
Okay, and then verse 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Okay, 15 verse 4. Aliyah. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Good. And then I think Micah, Proverbs 16, verse 22 and 24. Good sense is a foundation of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Then verse 24 is, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Okay. All of those talk about your words. That's it, Steve. Talk about your words and how your words affect other people. So, if you are following after wisdom, if you are reading wisdom, if you are being filled with wisdom, if you are following the fear of the Lord, not only then will it affect your life, but in affecting your life, then as you go out and the tapestry of your life is being interwoven with the tapestry of somebody else's life, guess what happens? You then will be the toll of God to bring grace and health and peace to others. When they are going through the trials of life and they don't know how, it's all spinning, it's chaotic, and what do I do? You can walk in with what? Wisdom, discretion, understanding, prudence, the fear of the Lord. And you're able to give them then sound advice and encouragement. Now, some of the sound advice and encouragement may be more of a rebuke in, in their mind. Does it make sense? But it may be what they need to hear at that moment. But you and I need to then begin to be able to have our words salted with grace. That's a New Testament concept. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, I think, isn't it? Colossians 3, I think it is, talks about it very much that. When we speak, we ought to impart grace to the hearers. And that comes from Proverbs. It's a, it's a proverbial thought process that if I am walking after wisdom and the wisdom of God, then my words will ultimately begin to do those things. So, in the end, who are you looking to and trusting in for wisdom regarding life and health? Are you going after the things of the world are you reading after everything they can, they can tell you? Or are you spending time in God's Word? I promise you, God's Word has a lot to say about it. And, and it may be that you then begin to see wisdom in vitamins, and I'm not saying you need to, okay? Or wisdom in something else that the world has out there, because all things were created by who? By God. And He's got a purpose. So there are things like good, eating a good diet, makes sense? That is wise. It's not worldly. That's not worldly advice. That's good, sound, godly advice. Because God created us. And we're taking care of his temple. But I'm going to find that wisdom, where? From God's word. Eating all things in moderation. So you guys know it, okay? There are a whole lot of stuff that's in there. No. So next week, we're going to look at gluttony. Yeah. We're having a covered dish dinner next week. Yeah. Isn't that fun? It wasn't my timing. I promise it wasn't. It was kind of fun. Anyways, but it comes right out of this life and health, right? Because your life and health is directly affected by how you eat. After that, well, I won't tell you. because you. No, anyways, 
we're probably going to go toward alcohol and, and, and other things being brought into our bodies and what God's word talks about in that, what the book of Proverbs talks about it. Because those are all pearls from Proverbs. He has a lot to say about it. How often do you spend time then in God's word? Are you searching the scriptures daily? Now, you kids in the summer program, that's your verse for next week, right? The Bereans were more noble. Why were they noble? They searched the scriptures daily. Why? To see whether Paul was preaching the truth or not. Good, exactly right. So we ought to be searching the scriptures daily. We ought to be Bereans, finding out the truth of God's word. Are you a dispenser of life and health? Or conversely, death and decay? Think about that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are filling your tank, if you would, with life and health from God, then that's what you'll give. But if you're listening to the world, then ultimately you're going to give out death and decay. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, that in your word, it is not just theological truth that you give us, but practical truth that you give us. Lord, that you desire for us to live our days with wisdom and understanding and prudence and discretion, that our days will be prolonged according to your will, according to your purpose. We understand that you are sovereign and over all things. And Lord, we say, Lord willing, even the days that we don't say, Lord willing, Lord, I know it's you willing that you reserve the right to change my days according to your plan. And yet, Lord, you allow me to live within the consequences of my own decisions, too. What I choose to do, what I choose to eat, where I choose to go, may affect the quality and the quantity of my life. I don't know how that plays out, Lord. But I'm so thankful to know that you do. And that you are sovereign and you override all decisions. Lord, I pray that in my life and in the life of these believers, Lord, that you would receive the glory. Help us, Lord, to be of an impact in this neighborhood, in this community, in Lord, even in this world, according to the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.